Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So before we get into it today, we just want to give a shout out to all the lovely people who have joined our Patreon so far. Our little Discord chat is growing and we're so excited to like be able to like have conversation with, with you guys and for you guys to meet each other. We literally have like learned so much already. Like everyone's sharing music. We're talking about the episodes. It's literally like so, so much fun. So as promised, we are shouting out the folks who have been the very first people to jump on board. Brianna, you know who you are. You've been with us since the beginning. We appreciate you being our very first official patron. And then we have Laura in Germany, Michaela, Jill, Steph in Canada, Victoria, Sarah, Camille, Isabel, also in Germany, and G. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're glad we're all like inner circle friends now. It's so fun because like some of these people like we've talked to in the DMs before and some of them we've just like seen their usernames on like TikTok or Twitter or whatever and now they're like real people that we're like conversing with and I'm like I love this our friends are really our friends now. So if you guys want to join us, you can find all the information at patreon.com slash name three songs. And we have three different tiers. All of them have really fun stuff. You know, the discord, as we've mentioned, bloopers and behind the scenes content. <laughs> and if you sign up as a groupie, then you'll get an extra bonus episode a month and you'll be able to vote on the topic of that episode. But yeah, the blooper, Sarah posted a blooper already this week and I forgot that this happened, but it was like, as we were doing our outro lines, Sarah Sarah completely (laughs) lost the plot and I was entirely unamused and I went back and watched it and I think it's the funniest thing I've seen. Like I, I was laughing watching it back because I was so unamused at the time. It was so funny because I just remember when it happened, I was like, oh my God, Jenna hates me. I like fully like you guys hear some like a bit of like me just like fully going into chaos mode but the amount of nonsense I cut out of just either my brain stopping working or me just like going off a cliff is ridiculous and this is just so funny because I thought it was hilarious and Jenna's like not, <laughs> not 
I, I like almost feel bad for you having to edit everything because I'm sure you come across instances like this more than once where I'm you probably think I'm just like pissed and I'm like really I'm just like mentally exhausted. So not really actually. I think like probably at the beginning it might have happened more often but I feel like now we've gotten better at it but I mean I think I said this before but like sometimes we'll record for like way over the amount of time we feel like you guys would be interested in listening to us talk so i have to cut out like chunks and so there's like all these like miscellaneous chunks of mostly me telling some like off-kiltered story about something vaguely reminiscent of the conversation um so if you join patreon (laughs) yeah if you want to hear sarah's extra stories that don't make it in (laughs) join our patreon and the episode we have today also we have a lot of content that didn't make it so without further ado so what are we talking about today sarah so today is more of like a a somber topic i guess today we are talking about the treatment of women within the music industry we already know there's a lot of sexism we know there's a lot of men in power so we're gonna look at some different areas and we're going to be joined by a special guest named miyoko esko to talk about specifically the touring environment and how that works being a woman on the road but we're also kind of looking at factors like um, just unstable environments, overworking, drugs and alcohol, how all of these things, you know, lead to mental health issues and how all of these things contribute to like just a really unhealthy environment. And that a lot of time women are subjected to some uncomfortable situations that are not so great. Just to let you in on a little bit about who Miyoko is before we get to that part of the episode, over the last seven years, Miyoko's path in the music industry has led her to be a jack of all trades. She has experience in club promoting in Texas, working on festivals and tours, managing logistics for a boutique techno agency, and touring with dance acts like Cray and AFK. Recently, her work brought her to Los Angeles where she's focusing in the production world as an assistant for the lighting slash VR powerhouse company, Retina Killer. And they have some really incredible visuals. They do like lights for like Drake and really famous people and music videos and it's insane. We're really excited to talk to her today. So basically we're going to do a bit of a breakdown of like the psychology behind this, give you some examples of the different experiences that women have faced that have led to negative repercussions. This is something that I feel like everyone has faced no matter what level they are within the music industry. Cause I mean, even fans can have negative mental health repercussions depending on how hardcore they are into this. Because I mean, as we've already talked about like toxicity and fandom, but also there's like the toxicity of being on touring career there's the toxicity of being in like the public eye being in the spotlight so we're gonna just dive a bit into a bit of the psychology behind this stuff just to give a brief understanding of why creatives and people in music might be more susceptible to this environment like affecting their mental health negatively as well as just like the different scenarios you might wind up in within the music industry that haven't really been talked about until the past like decade more so like the past five years so in short there's gonna be a lot happening in this episode (laughs) 
we're trying to pack a lot into a one episode, which is just a jumping off point for us to continue these conversations in the future. So buckle in. <laughs> we have got one information-packed episode for y'all. We wanted to just kick things off and go into more of like the science behind all of this. Rolling Stone has like a super in-depth article that's basically like reading a dissertation on the different ways music professionals have struggled throughout the past like the whole entire existence of music basically but obviously like more of a niche focus and so we wanted to give you guys some information so you know we're just not talking out of our asses (laughs) yeah so jenna do you want to start off with some some stats for our lovely listeners yeah so this is a rolling stone article titled we can't have all our artists die how the music industry is fighting the mental health crisis so yeah, very long, interesting article here. And they they pull this 2018 study from the Music Industry Research Association, which found that 50% of musicians reported battling symptoms of depression compared with less than 25% of the general adult population. So basically twice as likely for musicians to be battling depression. And nearly 12% reported having suicidal thoughts, which was four times higher than the general population. And more than that, there was another study in 2019 from a Swedish distribution platform called Record Union, and they found that 73% of independent musicians have battled stress, anxiety, and depression. So this is clearly like a really rampant issue within the music industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of it just has to do, as we mentioned, like these, the environments we're in. Yeah. I mean, in this article, like it literally says how musicians are like predisposed to more mental health issues because the controls in your brain that affect negative emotions are more heavily located on the right side and like right-brained people as you would put it are like more creative so they're they're more susceptible to just negative emotions but I think also just like anybody who listens to music it's like people are putting their like heart and soul out there and they're just like clearly very emotional people so I feel like when you're bearing your soul to others it makes your soul more open to the negative effects and there are different things as we've like spoken about from aggressive fan interaction to management not handling like your career properly to like x y or z like there's so many different things coming into this that can affect these people but I mean, the 27 Club is a thing because, like, being a musician takes over your whole existence to the point of sometimes substance abuse or suicidal tendencies or what have you, and sometimes you just lose the battle. But thankfully, over the past few years, like, people have felt more comfortable coming out and speaking about this stuff and speaking about the hardships they've faced and how that's affected their mental health, especially women have felt safer and more comfortable talking about what problems have come about from being in the music industry. Yeah, most definitely. So contributing factors to this, there's a psychologist in Toronto named Dr. Shyman Newman, and he says creatives in the industry suffer more because of their routines are so destabilized and that the intense long hours on the road or in the studio create a challenge in maintaining health routines and healthy relationship routines. So I think that's kind of like a lot of what we're going to hit on today is just like the environment of the music industry isn't set up in a healthy way to be sustainable for people. Like people need routines, people need to be healthy and to have access to healthy, just like 
resources, insurance, all this type of stuff. And a lot of times that is overlooked or like musicians are basically neglected unless you're like really rich and famous. So this is like a huge contributing factor to substance abuse, mental health, and all of that. I mean, and also off that, like there are a lot of organizations in place, but if you're not a huge name artist, it might not be as accessible to you because there might not be the budget, there might not be things in place or whatever there is. It's the same thing as like if you're hired freelance for a job, you might not get health insurance. So if you're like a lower tier employee or a lower tier tour, you might not be made aware of the organizations that are in place to help people like you, where there are people trained to understand how the music industry works. But also on top of that, like there's no HR (laughs) in music. So it's like if somebody is hurting you, the only person you can tell is like somebody who might like possibly the person who's hurting you or somebody who was hired by that person or whatever the case may be. Like there's no clear, real clear hierarchy, which we're going to get a lot more into later. But sometimes like when you're on tour, the person who hires you might not technically be your boss. And so who exactly you talk to when you are facing some sort of issue, whether that's within yourself or with somebody else, there's nothing clear in place. And that makes it feel like a less safe environment because there's no third party person to talk to because everybody's like affected by each other. Whereas like at a normal company, there's an HR person who isn't affected by your specific company's environment. Just this whole thing is so frustrating. I think, um, you know, a lot of people talk about, okay, like, what can we do to change? Like, what can we do to like, okay, let's, let's make these organizations that are like nonprofits that like provide mental health resources that like provide networking opportunities for women in music. But like, you can do that, but without tearing down the power structures that are built to favor men and are built to mistreat women, like we're not going to get anywhere. And it's the people in power who have control over whether or not they have good company culture or bad company culture. Because when you're looking at, you know, outside the music industry, when you're looking at company culture, it comes down to that. Like, what have they set up? What have they put in place to help their employees? And this is going back to your point of like, there's no HR in the music industry in most companies because, and that's how this type of behavior just feeds on itself. And people who are in power are not doing enough to call it out and stop it in its tracks. Yeah. And it's like the frustrating thing with that is it's like so many aspects of the industry. There is no HR. Like obviously like labels have HR, but also because of the power structure within labels, even though there is HR, there are people that can be your boss who are like famous men or famous women. And because they are these like big name people that are aware of, it's so much harder to do something about it, even when there's HR in place because of the power structure within the music industry, because the different levels of importance are so vast that it's insane. And that's like the huge issue with touring stuff. And what we're going to be talking with Miyoko about is that the second you're not the person in the spotlight or the person who's in charge of the person in spotlight, you kind of just get forgotten or pushed to the side or being like, oh, we hired you as a merch girl. Here are the seven other jobs I want you to do just because you have tits. So (laughs) it's just like this aggressive issue that's happening yeah so we're gonna dive specifically into what this looks like in the world of touring all right so miyoko thank you for joining us hey guys thanks for having me super excited 
Yeah, definitely. So I want to kick off this little conversation with a stat about, you know, live music professionals, since we're going to be talking about the world of touring and just kind of like the backside of things within the music industry. So in a recent Polestar slash venue news survey of 1,350 live music professionals, 67% of those were male and 85% of those were white. So that means there's about 33% that are women and non-binary folks in the live music side of things. So yeah, I mean, what has your experience been like? So yeah, it's certainly very disproportionate. I would say like in my experience through the years that I've been working, I've mostly been in male dominant settings. On tours specifically, there's literally been only one or two that I haven't been the only woman. Half of those, I was the only woman on the crew, but had women artists there with me. Um, but yeah, for all of my experience, it's usually mostly male dominated and white. When the artist is female, and so that makes it so that you're not the only woman on, like, on the touring party, like, do you feel like there's a vast difference between other crew members being female and the artist being female? Do you think that the, like, hierarchy changes anything around that? Well, I mean, there's always going to be a hierarchy, female or not, if it's artist versus crew, just because, you know, the artist is technically the boss. That's who you're there working for. Me specifically, when I've been on tours with the artist being female, there's definitely like a difference in treatment, sort of, but... I wouldn't always just gear that towards it's because she's a female artist Mm -hmm. more so than they are the artist of the tour. But yeah, there's definitely always that like slight difference of even venue crew teams treating women crew members differently versus the women artists differently. But yeah, I think there's always going to be that slight hierarchy of it just because the artist is at the end of the day, the person you're there for. So as someone who's worked on crews both at venues um, and on tour, I guess, can you kind of just like tell us some of your experiences that you've had? In things that have been like a little unsettling, like when I first got into the production side of things in Austin is a really highly regarded stage manager, production guy. And we had this one incident where we were doing a load in for a show. And one of the touring crew parties first kind of started with me being like, haha, like joking around, like fun friendship type of thing. And throughout the day, as it progressed, I started getting uncomfortable just because it started to get more touchy on his side of things which was therefore like causing my work to be affected because it was like I had to constantly be like hey like I'm still trying to build this can we just like you know keep this professional and it got to the point where I like brought it up to my mentor and I was like hey like when the day was done you know I was like it was kind of weird that like you don't see touring artist crews messing with the other stage guys like being like haha man like and like you know like get like sometimes if they're really good friends but like to the point where it was like I was getting grabbed like by the arm like and pulled away like in the middle of doing things and I was like it like got to like this part where it was like I just feel like really disrespected where it's like he wouldn't have done that to any other guys but my mentor being the badass that he was he was like well I wish you would have told me sooner because I would have ended that right away and when I did tell him he actually went on his own I didn't even ask him to but he went and confronted the person about it and it was like done there but yeah it's like there's little things like that where like even on tour we're doing merch and stuff usually when you get to the venue you're one of the first people including like the stage 
huge production people that are first in the venue and just being like, you know, the merch girl, even just trying to find out where my setup is. Like I would sometimes ask somebody in it would just be like a really rude response or I would have to chase somebody down just to like get an answer where it was like, if a guy is talking to somebody else at the venue, they like instantly got answers, like instantly conversation. It's just like weird that sometimes you have to go that extra step just to like yeah. get recognition when yeah. it's like weird, especially with venue crews. Cause it's like, they have a constant change of who's in and out of there all the time. There's usually always at least one girl on a touring crew. So it's like, I don't know. It just gets weird sometimes where it's like yeah. just the level of respect is lost for some reason. It definitely so. is. It de- I mean, I've, Sarah and I both, you know, we've all heard countless stories like this. So right. I guess I'm curious, like when you've been in uncomfortable situations, like the first example you shared, like, do you feel like you can like stand up for yourself and like put it to an end? Or do you feel like you have to like brush it off and like not make a big deal about it? I think it also kind of is a personal take for everyone. They're going to have their own different views on it. Kind of varies like situation to situation because, you know, sometimes I wake up that day and I'm like, you know what? I'm a bad bitch. And I'm going (laughs) to, if anyone talks to me, I'm going to, in that right then and there and there's been times where I have where somebody says something to me and I'm like what did you just say to me and they're like oh oh my god sorry like I didn't mean it to come off like that and then other days you know I'll just let it brush off because it's almost like it constantly happens so much that I don't even want to waste my time yeah like dealing with it because it's like whatever you know what I'm never going to see this person again probably or I'm not going to see them for at least another year if I even see them again so it's like half the time I don't even want to bother with it or care and just let it brush off because it's not even worth my time anymore the thing you said about you know your your mentor like your boss is like I feel like in the music industry it's like you have to have a really good relationship with your boss and know they're going to be on your side because there's so many times where like Mm -hmm. you could say something to your boss and they'd just be like get over it a hundred percent. Yeah. I was lucky enough to be like really close friends with my mentor. And there has been situations where my higher up was not really close with me. And so I didn't feel comfortable bringing situations up like that to them or just being kind of like in the background and seeing them handle similar situations and being like, oh, well, if that's how they're going to handle it, like I'm not even going to bother because it's like they clearly don't care or it's just not even on their radar. So yeah, I definitely think it's really important to have like that relationship with whoever your mentor or boss is. And even just having like that upfront conversation at the beginning, like especially if it's a male female role, like how it was. And I mean, he was an older guy that had been around, he's been around in the industry forever. So he's worked with female artists, female crew members. So he already knew that like, there's going to be times where people are going to treat you differently because you're a woman in production. And I was like, all right, I'm glad (laughs) that you're aware of it. And thanks for making me very aware of it. So it's it's really important, I think, to have that open conversation and making sure that you're on the same page with people. Because if you're not, then not only does it affect your career, but it affects the whole like work situation. I think also, and like we already mentioned earlier, but there's this Guardian article that came out in October of 2020 um, by uh, Tara Joshi. She spoke with a lot of like female roadies and stuff. And I mean, this is like a personal thought that I've had. And then it was also mentioned in this article But the role of women in music has always been said of being, like, the three main things of, like, a muse, a groupie, or a fangirl. And I feel like these men are taught that. 
and to the point of like when there's a woman involved in a work capacity they're kind of like ah I don't know what's going on here and so they act in the ways that they're pre-programmed to think they should act around women because of the like three main roles they have been told women play when it comes to music at least Mm -hmm. like that's my perspective and that's sort of what I garnered like from the people in the um, articles perspective was but I think like how you mentioned earlier the guy at the venue is like being like touchy-feely and like over the top or whatever it's like there's nothing wrong with a bit of like banter or like being a bit cheeky with somebody totally But these men, because they're like, women are objects, because we've been taught that women are objects because of these like Mm -hmm. things, then they take that banter to like this next level where then you're just kind of like, "Ah." (laughs) like, what do I do? Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. It's such a weird experience because like, you're not, I feel like music is one of the few jobs where it's like sexual tension between coworkers cannot happen because the man will always assume like, oh, she wants to bang, not like she just wants me to tell her she's cute and like go about my business. Yeah, I mean, it's like definitely one of those weird fine lines because especially like in touring, you're in a very small confined space for weeks to months at a time with people. And it's weird because like, I mean, I grew up around tons of men. I was like the tomboy girls. And I think that's where a lot of like the crossing the line things gets weird for me too, is because I've always had like really close male friends that like jokingly are like, oh, whatever ho. But it's like my close friends, we have like inside jokes like that. But then it gets to the point where it's like when you don't know people and they say something that's kind of like, oh, wow, you just said that to a complete stranger that you don't know personally in the slightest. And it gets kind of weird because you don't want to be stereotypical, like, oh, like he hurt my feelings, like kind of thing. So it's like at the time, like me personally, anyway, like whenever it's been like an uncomfortable situation, my trauma reaction is to laugh. Cause it's like, I I don't know how to handle this. (laughs) I'm so nervous and I giggle, but then, you know, obviously when someone sees someone laughing as a reaction, they're like, oh, she's cool with it. And then it kind of progresses. And you know, that kind of also probably lays slightly in my fault too. Cause it's like, instead of laughing at it, I could just not laugh at all. But that's just like a weird reaction I have to uncomfortable situations sometimes. Well, that's like a safety thing that most women yeah. just are like do where it's like, you're uncomfortable exactly. because a man's doing something. And it's like, okay, I either laugh or I yell at him. If I laugh, I don't get hurt. If I yell, I could get hurt. And so you yes. auto- the automatic reaction is to just brush it's like it off the fight or, or flight thing <laughs> yeah. yeah and I feel like that is just like a prominent issue within music and I mean also like you mentioned how having somebody like trusted on tour is important and I mean I've had experiences whether it's been on an actual tour or like working with an artist where because of most of what I do is with smaller artists where mm-hmm. they're even less so is that hierarchy that's like clearly in place where like an right. artist can be the one to hire you and then be like oh here's my manager and it's like is your manager my boss now or are you my boss and they're like no I hired you but yet they still view their manager as a boss so right there's mm-hmm. that weird thing where you have a boss and then they have a boss but they're like you know my boss but he's not your boss I'm your boss but my boss yes. is doing what you're doing <laughs> and so you don't even know who like the safe person is to like tell something to because you're like I don't know 
who's in definitely or like if I tell you that this is happening if you're going to tell your manager and then because you're telling your manager not me he's going to take it the wrong way and then I'm gonna get in trouble even though I'm not the one doing something wrong just because totally a man is now telling another man a woman's discomfort (laughs) it's like yes it's a whole spiral it's funny there was actually like a quote in that Guardian article that you just mentioned I think Mm -hmm. was in October of last year and I think one of the quotes they were saying as much as the music industry there's always this gray area of what's acceptable or not and I think that's like the most valid point I've ever heard someone explain the music industry is is like it's weird because there's definitely a clear rule book of how shows should get done what they need to get done Mm -hmm. but how each and every artist and crew team and tour gets to that final product is like so completely different. And it's like, I've been on tours where on other tours, if I went to a different one where the things that were like normal everyday, like casual things on one would be like completely not okay on another. And so that's why when you're saying like, it's really important to have that person you trust or just like that open conversation at the beginning is because when you go back and forth between tours like that, you also need to realize that some things won't be as comfortable for others as you would think with your like main team that you guys are all accustomed to doing all the time. So it's like, there's a a lot in touring, I think that I think is forgotten about is that you also have to be aware of everyone's comfort levels, their feelings to an extent, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like catering specifically every single day, but like just being aware of like, oh, when we do X, Y, Z, I I've noticed that she kind of just leaves the room all the time. Maybe instead of doing X, Y, Z, like in public, we should take it to a more private area. So like the common area is still a public common area, just like little things like that. But you know, it's weird because touring also has so much mental drainage, just doing the tour itself, that it is really hard to be aware of that because you're also personally going through all these different feelings on a day-to-day basis, thinking of like the future dates. Oh my God, did I forget some the venue last night so it's like there's just like a very large amount of tons of different things that happen on touring that like I think that's where a lot of things get lost in it is because there's just so much piling up that no one really has the best resource to like expel all of these emotions well hey podcast listener do you love talking about movies music tv comics and games then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in bigger than ever for season nine This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. I feel like you said there's like so much to unpack in what you just said. And part of that is like the mental health aspect of touring, which is Mm -hmm. just like, it's such an unusual environment that there's a lot of challenging factors there. And then also something that Sarah and I kind of mentioned in the intro is like, there's no really HR person when it comes, especially when it comes to tours, get lost in translation. It's like, you just said from tour to tour, things are so different because it's like, unless somebody is in charge and is like setting the expectations of how people should behave and what is appropriate and what is not, it's just a free, it's going to be a messy free for all. Yeah. And that's why a lot, especially like the larger tours when there's like multiple artists, which therefore requires a large production crew and stuff. There's 
just a lot of different personalities all blending together. And like I said, like you're on an insanely confined base. Like a tour bus is not huge in like, unless you're touring with like Drake or somebody, you're not getting these like lavish tour buses with like all this space. You're nine to 12 people deep in rows of bunk beds and like this small, like maybe 40 square foot front area. So it's like, even if there is one main person that's supposed to be leading all of it, especially like in just like EDM, I think there's a lot of the younger generations coming up into these positions. So like they're young, also still trying to feel all this out, what they need to do to make things better. And also on top of trying to do all of that, you're also having to be responsible for these 12 also adult children usually, because I mean, if we're being honest, like touring is a blast. Like it's basically like a weekend vacation every single day with this minor little job thing that you have to do for like 12 hours, five times to six times a week. <laughs> but like, yeah, there's just like so many people that it's like without an actual HR and like, I don't think the music industry is so like large that I think why there hasn't ever really been a main HR unless you're with C3 or Live Nation or like those giant companies. But if you're like in the indie or like like the self-proclaimed side of music, like there definitely isn't an HR because there's so many people to handle with like such low budgets that people are already stretching to make things work, which you know, stretching budgets also, I think, weighs a lot on everyone mentally. And I think what's interesting too is usually the people booking these tours are like obviously the agents and managers who don't go on the tour. So on email and paperwork, they're like, oh, five shows a week, that's nothing. Like, let's throw in some after parties too. That sounds like fun. But it's like, you guys are sitting in an office, you know, drinking your latte at noon, going on your lunch break whenever you want to. You're not like out on the road where like, like every single day is a different demand, different situations, having to deal with all these different things on a daily basis. It's funny to me that there's such a unknown aspect of who's booking these tours versus who's getting sent out on them because the people being sent out on them are the ones bearing all this weight of having to deal with all these daily challenges. Like, oh my God, the bus got a flat tire. Like, oh my God, our PA left left one of the CDJs at the venue. Like there's things that happen on a daily basis. And like when tours get booked so tightly together like that, it's just asking for people to have breakdowns because everybody's human, you know? I think also that plays into the burden on the women on tour because like there is that thing whether we want to admit it or not women are like predisposed to be like very empathetic and very caring humans Mm -hmm. I would dare to say it's like just in our DNA already to be like oh like we should take care of things yeah I mean any situation I've ever been in whether that's an actual long tour or like two days with hang with friends whatever the case is I always wind up picking up some sort of slack because I'm like well they're not doing it I know they'll get to it eventually but nobody's taking care of this and it's like the like one big tour that I went on like we didn't have a tour manager and so nobody was taking care of anything properly and so I it just would be like okay I'm gonna take care of shit because nobody's right. doing it even though this person who's 
acting like they're in charge who was like Mm -hmm. i want to say he was like a line tech he like looked the oldest so i think everybody was like he's right he's in charge but he he was like he wasn't like wrangling people up he wasn't like making sure fans weren't following us around like he wasn't doing Mm -hmm. any of those things so i'm like okay i guess i have to do that so you're like stepping into this like extra role that you're not actually supposed to be doing but you feel like you need to because you're like well i'm the woman here (laughs) so i need to like handle this and that just like adds on to like the mental health burden of everything because you're number one taking on an extra role that you're definitely not being compensated for you're not mm-hmm. being like in any way but also when you start to take on that role of wrangling things in or dealing with things then all of a sudden at least one or two guys on the crew or in the band are like oh she's my mom now <laughs> oh i can't even tell you how many of my guy friends like through the industry is like oh yeah that's mom and I'm like sick like (laughs) yes I am but also no (laughs) yeah (laughs) in that article even like this is a common feeling like multiple women say that like it's not just us it's like people we've never met before there's just that constant feeling of like oh I also need to like therapize and Mm -hmm. (laughs) momathize and like do all these things when it's like that's not our job and then there's that mental health burden and then nobody is like taking on our mental health burden so we have all right. people's problems and our problems it, and then there's nothing there's no lifeboat yeah it's funny so there's like a few incidences that like how you're mentioning like being the burden of it where I've had to deal with but I think when you're just mentioning how the men that are usually on the team like slowly kind of inch their way into being babied by you somehow in either aspect I think it also ties into that they also don't feel comfortable talking to the other guys about stuff I've been on tour where one of the people like he wasn't really stoked on the constant partying and stuff and like it was weird because I didn't even feel like I was one of the closest people with him on this tour but one day he approached me about it and was just like man like I don't know what to do because like I really you know I'd rather just go to sleep but like I have to go party with them and I was like I mean do you though like and he was like well I feel like I have to and then like after we had this conversation I was like I can't believe he just approached me about that because I didn't even know that he like looked at me as someone that he could like confine his feelings in but like I think men also just not feeling comfortable about opening up to other men if there's a woman on the tour they're like perfect she's emotional she'll understand (laughs) what I'm going through like this is amazing and it's like I'm always have always been the friend like hey if you're going through something like I will listen to you you know but like you're saying like people also need to realize like I'm also personally going through things there's a lot of it that I can't even voice so I'm just sitting here in my head in my bunk just freaking out because I'm just like oh my god and that's like another thing too is like being one of like the bro girls that's like hanging out with all the dudes it's like I've been in situations not even just that but like in the room like when back when I used to do AR at local venues in Austin or at festivals and stuff like I had my boss actually one day jokingly walk into the green room when I and the artist and whoever was back there at the time they were all joking around like oh my god like we love Miyoko so much like she's been so great like taking care of us blah 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 and my literal boss and of course his excuse was like oh I was drunk like I didn't mean it but like he literally out loud in front of everyone was like oh yeah we all know why they love her though it's because she just sucks dick really good and I was like oh my god and this is like my first year in the industry so I was like I don't say anything because I was 
like, Ugh. but I remember everyone was like laughing about it. And then afterwards I was like, damn, like that made me feel like really shitty you guys. And all of my guy friends were just like, oh, but you know, that was just a joke. And I was like, yeah, but like these artists that don't know me don't know that's a joke. All these people that didn't know me in this room didn't know it was a joke. Yeah. It's just like that weird gray area. And that's the thing that like we keep coming back to of like no HR, there's no po real power structure other than yeah. like who seems or acts the most important so people get away yes. with things. And that's like the same thing when it comes to like mental health stuff where these people will come to one person on tour, whether that is a woman or somebody else, what have you. It's like, there's no clear support systems in place. I mean, obviously like there are organizations that have existed for decades or yes. less time or whatever, especially over the past like 10, five-ish years of like more mental health organizations in place, but there's still no organization in place being like, hire us to be your HR on tour. But, God, <laughs> but even, I feel like even, I need to start it. Yeah. Even just like having, cause like we were talking about this when we were planning, but it's like, when you start a new job, like you're given like a pamphlet of like, here are the things that you get after 30 days of working in this Break company, down. which are like your health insurance, access to health plans, whatever the case is. And it's like, mm -hmm. when you go on tour or when you're a touring professional, it's like, there are like freelance or whatever, like associations that you can sign up for to get certain things, obviously. Right. But there's nothing when you sign up and like, are like, okay, I am an official member of like a, the music touring world of America whatever like you're not mailed a pamphlet that's like okay like music cares is here for you like here is your right. assigned music cares person to get in contact with when the men won't leave you alone <laughs> and you have uh, like your only... mental health is struggling and so that's the thing that I just find quite interesting is we're talking about all these things that fill us with like dread or anger or upset or what have you and it's like we know that there are these organizations here but it's the same thing of like on like world suicide awareness day it's always make sure to reach out to your friends that you know yes. are unwell it's like everybody especially these organizations knows that people who are facing mental health anguish aren't gonna mm -hmm. make that phone call so it's yes. like why if you have if you're putting all this money into your organization why are you not being like oh i'm gonna like like I don't know I obviously like it's a lot to ask for and like musicians right. don't have a ton of money touring crew don't have a ton of money these organizations probably don't have as much money as we think that they have mm -hmm. but I still feel like there should be something on like the first day of tour you get like a video call from like your your representative yes. from one of these organizations being like we're here for you like <laughs> hello something. we would like to guide you through this traumatic time in your life um, yeah no it would be amazing but like most tours you don't even get a contract that you're working for it usually it's just an email like hey cool what city are you flying out of we're buying your flight for this day see you there and it's like most of the tours in festivals I've gotten hired for like festivals maybe not so much but like I usually don't even get a contract it's mostly just like an email like hey we'll see you on this date like here's your flight and a lot of the resources like you're saying like music cares I know there's like to write love on your arms all these different companies that have been around for decades sometimes like especially during COVID I specifically reached out to music cares at the beginning of all of this and part Part of their process was showing proof that you actually work in the music industry. Wow. And Do I mean, that's fair. Work? Like, 
Yeah, like they had, like, I can't remember exactly, but you know, like something that proved that you were on this tour. They loosened some of it up. You could get pay stubs, but they originally were asking for like specific signed contracts. And it was like, I, in the past too, have like reached out to resources this too. And they, I mean, and it's fair to need these types of confirmations because you know mm-hmm. like anybody could be like I work this festival and it's like did you like or were you the volunteer like I'm confused like you know yeah. so it's like it's fair that they require all these but I mean me myself I've been working in this industry for seven plus years and like to reach out to a resource and then get hit with that roadblock of like oh my god I don't even have like a real contract signed yeah. like I just have an email from somebody music cares isn't gonna know who this manager or hiring person was and so it's like intimidating so there's been a few times where like I saw the requirements and I was like oh my god like this is too much and I like yeah. got the attack and just was like I'll just deal with it later or I'll like whatever so I know those resources are out there but I think and like how you mentioned like on suicide awareness day it's like everyone sends this phone number out on this day mm-hmm. and it's like in the past last or in the last few years like I definitely have noticed more people posting about suicide awareness more frequently but it's like the same thing like over and over again it's like you see it when it's already too late kind of thing. And it's like these resources, I think people get intimidated by them or just aren't as aware of the options they have. And they wait too late. And then when they really need it, it like gets too intimidating that it's like too scary to reach out, like how you said. And it's unfortunate too, because like, I wish I knew more about how these organizations like worked internally, because I think that would help a lot of people understand how to reach out and stuff like that too. But yeah, I personally think in the past like five years or so, it's definitely like billboard post stuff about it. Like bigger name companies are bringing more awareness to it, which is amazing. But like, we're still like in the very beginning stages of even taking mental illness seriously. And when you think about it, like when you're in a position, especially when you're on tour or even even just music industry, even if you're not on tour, a lot of people are working 24 seven, like they're, they're going to a full office job and then they're going out and going to shows after that. It's like those situations. And when you're having roadblocks of like, Oh, I don't have a contract like to prove that Mm -hmm. I'm on this tour. It's like, it's a lot easier to rely on things like drugs and alcohol to just get you through it. Yeah, like even with these resources, when you're, I think, one of the main team members, obviously, if you're an artist, a manager, an agent, it's really easy because it's like, this is my job title. Yeah. But like some of these resources, well, what if I'm the assistant of the agent? Do I still get the same resources? What if I'm just the flyout tour manager? I'm just on certain days when the other person's not available. I'm just yeah. like the fill-in person. So it's like those get really blurry too. And then when you are in that situation, like specifically on tour and you can't sleep because you have so much anxiety of built up angst or whatever's going on, drink yourself to sleep, like, or whatever substance, you know, that helps you do it and it's sad because on top of like the schedule of touring like you're saying me specifically mostly working in EDM like the show ended at two or three in the morning by the time loadout was done sometimes that was like six or seven a.m and then it's like get on the bus but it's also like that weird your body gets on that weird schedule or it's oh, like yeah. oh, I'm, I'm awake at 4 a.m like yeah. I'm I'm on my top game it's at 4 not healthy now. at all no so then it's like well shit like now it's 9 a.m I need to really go to sleep because we're about 
about to be at the next venue in like four hours. So it's like, I need to knock myself out. And the fact that it's like almost expected of you to always be there and like be part of the team. Like that's what I've noticed a lot of the time. It was like, oh, you don't, you don't want to be like part of the team. And I'm like, why does part of the team have to mean that I suck things up my nose for nine hours straight and like drink an entire bottle of whiskey. Like mm, it doesn't sound fun. So it's like, it's weird, but at the same time, our schedules are so weird like that, that it's like a crutch for a lot of people. And like, I mean, I've been on tours where people don't party at all. Like they, sort of drank like and it was like on our nights off it was like sweet like this is a very mellow responsible like mature tour but I mean like I've been on the complete opposite ones too where it's like complete ragers and like a frat party every night and I know a ton of artist friends that like their quote-unquote brand is always out like partying having fun like non-stop go 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 and then when you meet them they're like the most quiet introverted type of thing And it's like, they have this persona that they need to keep up, which also obviously is going to like mentally drain them eventually, you know? So it's like really just a vicious cycle of when it comes down to it, I think mostly there is either a lack of resources people think they have and the lack of knowledge of the resources available. Like, I'm very hopeful that the progress for the next five, 10 years, because like we had mentioned earlier, like it's already becoming more prevalent everywhere. So I am really hopeful that like, we'll get there to the point where you get hired on a tour and there's an email sent out of all these resources. And even if it was like a generic resource, but, or like a personal, like specific therapist for that tour. Cause I know I've seen on Twitter lately of some, and it's funny too, because a lot of the stuff that I see on Twitter about this stuff is like coming from fans. And I know there was this one tweet that blew up and this girl was like, well, why can't tours just hire a therapist or why can't the tour manager just be trained in therapy? And I'm like, in a perfect world, that would be fantastic. But when it comes down to it, all these people are already dealing with so many things. Like managers and tour managers they're already dealing with so so many things imagine having to also be like I have to do a 30 minute session with everybody on the tour this week because it's their 30 minute therapy session like I don't know like I mean you would have to be a specific like you would have to like have gone to school for psychology or something but that's not going to happen so yeah I think also there are so many extra steps that could be put into place to make being involved in the music industry in particular the touring side of it like safer Mm -hmm. and like less of a detriment to like your physical and mental health that it feels like we're already moving in that direction like way slower than we should be especially because hey progress is progress prevalent (laughs) forever but yeah as you said like progress is progress it's all it's all good things and I think if anything the light at the end of this like COVID tunnel is just showing how much like people are rallying the people who care are rallying around Mm -hmm. the music industry at large and especially people who are out of work because of tour and all that sort of stuff and so which is it feels like there's a positive ending to this problem rather than totally long it seeming more like a negative ending and I feel like having conversations like this one and like acknowledging that this stuff is happening all the time at different levels because I feel like the conversations that have been happening have mostly been of like these more prominent people who are in the spotlight whatever which is just as important but Mm -hmm. I think that the more people who understand especially like these fans who like 
expect so much from so many people without even realizing right. it, for them to realize like oh we're, they're all going through it like they all have to deal with this stuff yeah I think it's just really important. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, with the whole fan aspect of it, it's like, everybody's just a normal person. They're the same thing as you and I, anybody. And there's, like, a lot of stuff that, like, fans specifically don't realize happen on tour, like, understand. But yeah, I I definitely think that, like, with this whole COVID thing, it's like a catch-22. Like, I, I think it's, going to result in good outcomes because I think with everyone sitting here realizing how toxic and unhealthy our lifestyles were that I think a lot of people are figuring out or trying to think of different ways to come back healthier and like do things right a different time. So yeah, obviously I hate that this whole year has basically just been a whole roadblock. I had mentioned to you guys earlier, like I had a ton of awesome stuff lined up this year that just like vanished. But like at the same time, it's like also been a great reflection time. Yeah, hopefully in the long run, this is all like a positive outcome for everyone. And like, we actually like see some major changes. We just need more women and like men to speak up and like continue the progress of like going in that right direction because it's definitely on the way and like you said it's we just need to keep it going awesome well thank you so much for joining us we i just like love being able to hear all of your stories and like your insight on everything i Um, had a great time talking with y'all yeah this is like such an important topic as well so really appreciate you joining us for this and if people want to like find you follow up the conversation or get to know you more where like what socials can they find you at so i'm on mostly instagram and twitter my Instagram is Miyoko, but with three eyes and an underscore. And then my Twitter is like kind of my alter ego, Young Mochi with also three eyes. DMs are open always. Like I love sharing my experiences with people, especially women in the industry, because I feel like when I first started out, I didn't really have a lot of women to look up to or even reach out to that were like older mentors. So yeah, if anybody is listening or watching this, I'm always available and open to have conversations. And yeah, thank you guys both for having me for this. Like I was been so excited for this for weeks. So (laughs) I had a great time. Of course, this was was great. Thank you. So fun. So we're doing Band of the Week in 30 seconds or less, and we're going to throw it over to Miyoko to present an artist. Are All right, you ready? Go. Yes, I am. Okay, take it away in three, two, one. Okay, awesome. I'm going to talk about this artist, Lane 8. Maybe some of you guys don't know. He's more of like a house DJ type of thing, not even sure specifically genre. But like when I'm on the road and like overwhelmed and like just can't handle things like his music is very like mellow and chill and just like really brings me back to like being grounded I don't have a specific song that I think you guys should listen to but his album little by little is like my all-time on repeat like it is a great just like melodic that's 30 seconds chill sick perfect (laughs) yay you got it no yay so that was so much information but like in such a user-friendly way i feel like <laughs> where it just was like us talking about something that's like kind of hard to talk about or like hard to admit you need to talk about but i felt like i was in a safe space which was quite nice because i feel yeah. like that's the whole point of what we're doing is like trying to make these conversations a safe space for everybody yeah. 
And I feel like I learned a lot because, you know, obviously getting new perspectives is always really helpful, but I think like talking through this with someone who's like been on the ground experiencing things firsthand, just really Mm -hmm. like reaffirms the, the notion that like as much as organizations can pop up and like things can be improved to help if the power structures that exist now are not being part of helping this then things aren't going to move along it just it just really made me realize that yeah no a hundred percent that's like the one great thing about this is like we're we've been given the opportunity to introduce these people to our listeners and to us and learn so much because it's like obviously you and i have our own type of experience within the music industry but and know our own friends but it's like meeting these new people hearing their perspective on these things and from their years of experience doing these things it's like we're able to share just like this plethora of information farther than our scope could have ever reached and I just feel like if I had known Miyoko or like any woman who had that much touring experience before experiences that I have I feel like I would have been so much more prepared yeah uh, for anything that was thrown at me because I feel like sometimes you're like oh I'm, I'm I'm ready to tour like I've been doing pseudo tours for so x y and z whatever and then you get thrown into the mix and you just like have no idea how the hierarchy works yeah. and you have to learn the hard way that like there's literally nothing even close to a safety net of like an HR person <laughs> or whatever the case is like obviously we're speaking in like nine to five working terms just to make it like more understandable Understandable, but I think that having her as a resource just in general just like this conversation and like her being like yeah come DM me I think is incredible because she's mm-hmm. a literal plethora of information and mm-hmm. it's just really helpful so if you want to continue the conversation um, you already have Miyoko's information it'll be linked in the show notes and you can talk with us at name three songs on twitter instagram what have you or myself at sarah underscore fagan or jenna underscore million so thank you so much for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to harry styles don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit name3songs.com.